Welcome to another episode of the Reaching the Summit podcast. My name is Todd Buckingham. I can be found on Twitter at ReachSummitPod. And I'm Zach Dosh, and I can be found on Twitter at Zachary Dosh. And this is Greg Steeman. I am on Twitter at Greg Steeman. So we had a really exciting weekend of basketball, and we'll get into all of those matchups going forward. But I wanted to start out by talking about something that I find really interesting when it comes to sports in general and college basketball especially. And we, I wanted to talk about a few players and then even a team who have had some down moments this year or ha- things haven't went the way they were hoping they would go. And then they got their chance to, to shine and did shine. And I wanted to start out with a person in, in the series that Zach was a part of in Colton Sandage. He had averaged 11 minutes a game going into the South Dakota series and then didn't play one game in game one of that series. In game two, he came in when the team was down 37 points and let a comeback to down six. Then he was rewarded with starts in both of the North Dakota games. He averaged 23 points and was really key in the game two victory where he had 28 points and 10 assists. Zach, I was just wondering your impressions on him, especially in that second game, and then just in general with a person who looked like they were out of the rotation, suddenly they're starting and having a big impact. Yeah, so I was really struggling to prepare for this game. You know, I'm trying to study Western, trying to follow the trends, and, like, there's clearly no trend. And it's like Coach Jeter is just having sort of this year-long tryout, and he's given different players shots in different games and just kind of giving them an extended run. And, you know, I, I kind of like it. And, you know, Sandy, so he was like a And then to come in, and he actually played really well. He played really well. He was in control. I thought that there was a, a time where I thought he was going to be a little out of control because, like, when he goes, when he puts the ball on the floor and he gets to the rim, he goes hard, and he's not looking to pass. And he just kind of throws something up. But he's getting away with it. And he was really, I mean, down the stretch in the first game, he was all their offense. It was Carius in the first half and the percentage in the second. And then the second game, you know, he came out strong and finished strong. I mean, it was, yeah, what he had, 28 points in the second, in the second game. And again, I, I was wondering, I was like, boy, is he a little out of control? But no, he had like 10 assists. So he did a great job. And then, and then we interviewed Coach Jeter after the game. And he's saying, yeah, he's been a shooting guard up to this point. We just threw him in there at point guard to see what he'd do. And he did this. I'm like, holy right, smokes. Right. Now if you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so you, you just start looking at their team. You're like, all right, Sandage at point, Karius on the wing or at the four, Pearson at the post. Okay. Now they kind of have like a little bit of a direction here. Maybe they can just experiment with the other two positions, but at least those two positions should be locked down. So um, I just super impressed, super impressed. And Greg, I don't know if you've had a chance to to see Sandage at all, but anything to add? You know, not a lot. I have not had much exposure to Western Illinois at all, and so. But it's as you mentioned, it's just that in this day and age of uncertainty, you have to give credit to the guys that are ready when their when their name or number is called, and and they don't hang their head; they just take advantage of the opportunity. So, uh, credit to him, and and uh, and I'm sure you know he was obviously a big part of Coach Jeter being able to get that first conference win on Saturday. 
so Greg, I wanted to to shift to a different game and talk about a player who faced some adversity, not necessarily on the team that he's on right now, because he's only been on that team for two weeks. Arkel Lamar played in four games in 2019, 2020 with uh, UMBC and was injured and then hit the transfer portal and was unable to find a school until two two weeks ago joined Kansas City. Since then, he's averaged 12 points and six rebounds and was really key on both ends of the floor in this weekend in a close loss to North Dakota State and a a win yesterday against North Dakota State. Anything to add on Lamar as a a player or anything you've seen so far? Well, first of all, just good for him. I mean, it's that he wants to leave and then not able to find a school. And and in this, this, you know, with, with everything that everybody's going through, I can't even imagine the number of calls, emails, whatever, uh, that, that he has out there, but to end up landing there and then, you know, averaging probably about 27, 28 minutes a game in those four games. And how important was it when all of a sudden Kansas city as North Dakota state's coming to town, finds out they're not going to have McKissick. They're not going to, going to have Alec and and a number of other players. And so for him to be able to come in and and impact the game, uh, both games this weekend and and, and help Kansas city get a win on the back end, uh, just huge. And and, and a credit to him finding his opportunity. And Billy Donlin has to be kind of counting his blessings to get an addition like Lamar, um, you know, when, when he did show up. Arkell. Well, and one of the things that I kept striking me this weekend and even last weekend when they were playing here's a guy that's you know been in college basketball since 2017 or what have you it's his grad transfer year and those guys how he can just come in and he can't know the whole playbook or can't know everything they're doing but just that veteran leadership even though he doesn't even know the guys that he's on the floor with and then you have him this weekend guarding Rocky Cruiser mostly, and he's six five, built like a linebacker, but giving up five six inches, and he looked like he had been there all year. It's amazing to watch a guy who who's only been there a couple of weeks, basically a free agent addition, and look so ready. And and that a part of that is is a kind of a tribute to way to the way Coach Donlin coaches his guys. Basically, if you're going to come in and compete your tail off and lay it out there for 40 minutes, then we'll find a spot for you. We won't worry about so much on the offensive end, but you better be willing to guard and just get after it on the defensive end. So he, he fits in and he's certainly arrived at a key time for, for Kansas city. Well, and Zach, I wanted to jump back into the game that you were a part of this weekend or the series you're a part of Caleb Nero scored two points in the North Dakota state series, including only playing four minutes in game two. And it just, the, it, the optics were bad while he was out there during that series. It looked like he had kind of fallen off the rotation. It was going to be rough. Ben Tupanoam had come into the starting lineup. Then he comes off the bench, double figures in three of four games, averaging almost 12 points a game in those four games. What have you noticed from Caleb since uh, his, his joining the bench? Well, I think UND is a lot like all these teams where, you know, nobody's getting buried on the bench this year. I don't care what team it is. Nobody's getting buried on the bench because, you know, they may for a weekend, but you never know what's going to happen next weekend. Everybody's staying ready. 
coaches always preach that, but this year it's actually happening. And so, and Caleb Nero is a perfect example of that. I think it was more about just trying to figure out like, okay, they know he's a decent player. They're just trying to press the right button because I, I think, you know, he started off the season, they had high hopes from him out coming out of Weaver and he was just extremely inconsistent. He had a good game. I think the second night at Oral Roberts, but outside of that, there was just way, it was way too common for him just to kind of disappear for about a half. And they just need a little bit more um, consistency on position. The guy that would fall right into this list too is Bentu Pinal. And they just kind of have switched spots. And Bentu seems to be much better off the start. And now Caleb Nero is really settling into his role off the bench and there for a while. You know, UND was like Western Illinois, where they're just starting a different group every single weekend, trying to find something that sticks. Now, now I think they kind of found out where each player plays best. And and so, you know, Caleb, he's to, to his credit, he didn't pout either. You know, he just stayed ready, and then he made the most opportunity when he came back in. And so, um, you know, just because you're benched for now doesn't mean they're not coming back to you. And uh, particularly down the stretch. You know, it doesn't necessarily matter who starts. It matters who's finished. And, and so he's, he's been a big part of what they've been able to do. Um, you know, that three-guard lineup with, uh, with Bentu and Igbonigo and Nero, um, they're finally providing that level of shooting that they've been looking for. And so um, they're kind of settling into the roles nicely. Uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of unfortunate for them. They play against a lot of guards that are like 6'5", 6'6", 6'7", and they're pretty much all around six feet tall. So that's turning into be a bit of a problem. But, you know, they they found a role for him, and he's embracing it, and he's making the most of it, and they're they're getting a lot out of him these last at least two weeks anyway. Sometimes, I was just going to add to Zach, sometimes, you know, when, when, when you looked at the whole equation with Nero transferring from Weber, Marlon Stewart leaving all of a sudden maybe he's thinking and everybody else is telling him oh you're going to take over for Marlon Stewart you're going to come in and be this big number guy and and he and he did he struggled early on but to his credit and I'm sure Paul Sather probably sat him down and said listen hey you can if if you don't like things it's going to be a long season you know if you embrace your opportunities and 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 step into this role and he certainly responded so to his credit it's good to see and I'm sure North Dakota is going to benefit from that. You know, all these guys that we're talking about, now that I'm thinking about it, they're all older. I mean, these guys aren't yeah. necessarily freshmen. So they've seen a couple cycles. They've seen players get benched and then come off the bench and then play big and get a second chance and all this and that. And so um, that's what my other takeaway is the fact that these guys are pretty are some seasoned guys. And uh, I think that's playing into the fact that they're staying ready and they're staying willing to help their team in any way. Well, and I wanted to wrap up this topic by talking about a team. South Dakota started the season one and six, including two losses to Summit League teams in the in the Dakota Showcase. Now, granted, they also had a win against South Dakota State in the Showcase. That was their one win out of the one and six start. But it ended with that 18-point loss to Drake. Then you go on a nine-game winning streak, including eight in conference, and now all of a sudden it's it's an entirely different team. It, and we've seen other teams in the summit have that rough start and it really kind of just snowball from there. What what are your guys' takeaway on just the team sticking together and and really just taking it one game at a time, even with such a rough start? Well, I'll, I'll give credit to, to Todd Lee and his staff. I mean, and, and Amude and, and Plitzowite is kind of the, the leaders 
they didn't look good early. Now, part right. of it is nobody realized Drake was this good either. I mean, Drake's one of what three undefeated teams left in the country. Drake's yep. pretty daggone good, and uh, they, you know, USD did a decent job in the Dakota Showcase and, and really beat up South Dakota State in that final game. I just think they're they're defend they're they're shooting they're shooting the best in the league right at fifty percent. They're defending the best in the league. I think it's just just under 40% field goal percentage they're giving up. I'll tell you what, I, you just have to give them a lot of credit. So I think, I think there was a lot of unknowns early on that, you know, maybe we didn't appreciate how good USD's early schedule was. And uh, to their credit, they are, uh, they're playing as well as anybody in the league without question. If they're, they're probably playing better than anybody in the league right now. Uh, but as we've all talked about, these last four weekends are going to determine a lot. Yeah, they are. Zach, anything to add there? Nothing. Well, you know, you, you just kind of look at the fundamentals of the Todd Lee coach team. You know, they're always tough, both physically and mentally, and they always seem to shoot well. I mean, they did last year. I'm not 100% sure what they do, but there's no doubting their skill development. I mean, their skill development is pretty much second to none, and I think we've seen it span enough players here where it's not a coincidence anymore. And I wanted to add just one more, one more person on this theme of – things not going the right way in the season and then deciding to kind of stick through it. Brandon McKissick entered the transfer portal and then the next day um, announced that he was staying at Kansas city, but a really rewarding moment. He has scored his 1000 point at Kansas city. So same uniform. And with this unique year, if McKissick decided to go somewhere different next year, he, he has that option. This since this year doesn't count. So I wanted to add him in as well. And I just think it was a cool theme that I started to notice through this weekend of players just sticking with it and getting their opportunity and kind of a lesson to be learned in that for, for other, because it's not going to always go your way, whether it be as a team or as a player. And, and yet there might be something greater on the other end of it. If you stick with it. Well, we've, we've talked a lot about the fact that sports is just a metaphor for life. And, and you know, I know it's cliche, um, but, you know, it, we're, we're seeing things that we all see in everyday life happen on the basketball court. And it's usually the first time that they're going through it and uh, they come out the other side better for it. And just how to deal with adversity, things like that, the importance of sticking with the, any situation, um, being making good decisions, making good life decisions. You know, and we're seeing it play out, and 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 now he's a now he's a thousand point scorer, and that's a big deal. You know, I I think it's really cool to see these players hit that thousand point threshold because it's to me that speaks to their career. That's not just necessarily how good of a year that they're having or necessarily how good of a player they are, but that thousand point mark is really it, it's special. It is. You know, I know more players are hitting it now than ever, but um, you know, I don't take it for granted. I mean, that's in it. Phil Pabracha hit that mark this last weekend, too. And so so um, that means something. That means you had a special career. Yeah, I agree. I Good for McKissick for um, choosing to. to and, and who knows? He may not have had any opportunities with, with, with this being a free year. Who knows what opportunities are going to be available out there next year if you want to transfer, especially heading into next season. And just to tack on to Zach's point, over the next four years we're going to see a lot more thousand point scores with a lot of guys having five-year careers so it'll be interesting right. to see how yeah. stuff all shakes out so let's move on to the matchups and zach you were at the western illinois uh 
North Dakota series. I want to start out with a question and then you guys can hit on some points that you saw through that series. Uh, one of the reasons I love college basketball over say the NBA is just the joy of that. The players have playing basketball and you especially see this on the benches. And what I noticed, especially in game two, the Western Illinois bench, it was in North Dakota. So most of the fans, of course, and there weren't many, there's limited fans there, but most of the fans were North Dakota fans. And yet you could easily hear the Western Illinois bench. They had a ton of energy. Do you guys think that makes a difference? A hundred percent. It did. It Mm -hmm. absolutely did. I mean, you could just feel it in everything that Western Illinois did. I mean, I tried to comment on that a couple times throughout the game. Didn't want to make too big of a deal about it, but there's no question that was the foundation for what we saw. I mean, here's Western Illinois who has had a lot of close calls, who's had nothing but heartbreak this year, who hasn't had a conference win yet. And they're in Grand Forks, North Dakota. They have, I think I counted three fans there. And (laughs) they were, it was the epitome of the bunker mentality because they were just dug in. Their, Their whole bench was on their feet for almost the entire second half, yelling and screaming. And then you look over at UND's and they're just kind of sitting and watching. And, you know, I don't think, either way is necessarily right or wrong. You know, that's just sort of the personality of their team. UND is a little bit more cerebral and, and Western Illinois is just more fiery. I mean, their coaches, they'd have two and three coaches like basically on the floor, most of the second half, just yelling at the, just imploring them on just trying to be enthusiastic. And and it just wasn't pretty at all. The second half got chippy, you know, all this stuff was going on. It wasn't pretty but it was just that passion and emotion that carried them through. And that's how you have to do it. Sometimes that's how you have to break through. You you just have to find some way to win. And they just, I mean, if they would have lost that game, I don't know. I think I would have been heartbroken for them. I mean, they deserved it. They, they deserved it by how hard they play and how passionate they were. It was really interesting to see. I mean, like we talked about, they have guys in and out of the rotation, you know, some guys not getting a shot, some guys getting a shot, then they're down the next weekend and, and this and that. And so I think that really, told me a lot about Coach Jeter and what he's going to be able to do there. I think you give him a little time, that program is going to be much different. I mean, if they're playing that hard and that passionate, they're going to find their way eventually. It may not be this year, but they're going to find their way. And so I just I couldn't have been more impressed. I mean, to be honest with you, like we talked before, we, we hit record here, but they really deserve two wins uh, um, on the weekend. Uh, you know, they had a 19 point lead in that first game. And, and so it was good for them to get the, get the lid off the season on that one. So pretty impressive. Right. Yeah. I, I think it makes a huge difference. Um, and, and you can, you can be genuine about it or it can be showy. I think it was clearly genuine. And I think you see yeah. more and more teams doing it. I, um, you know, it's people, sometimes people make fun of it. And I, I feel sorry for those people that make fun of it because, uh, you, you tell your guys, listen, this doesn't guarantee us that we're going to win, but at least it gives us a chance. Because if, we, if we're not going to pull for each other, if we're not going to be there for each other, then we have no chance. And this is what you guys all came here to do was to compete and, and find a way to, 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 to win the, 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 the difficult games and the difficult venues in a difficult season where nobody knows if and when the games are going to be played. So if you if you if you can't have that energy for your teammates, then then what are you doing as a college athlete? And so that's what I love, you know, to, when in a lot of venues right now where there aren't really there's very few or maybe no fans allowed. 
it matters. And I think it matters a ton. And even in a, in, in a 4,500 seat arena, what were their screaming fans? You are always tuned in to your coaches and your teammates voices. Anyway, it matters then too. I, I, I truly believe it. So uh, without a doubt, it makes a huge impact. It doesn't guarantee anything, but without it, I don't think you give us, give yourself a chance as a, as a collective group. You know, it's interesting. I think, um, you know, sometimes you see the difference between certain players love being basketball players, college basketball players and everything that kind of comes with that. And some players just truly love playing basketball. And I'm not saying UND fell into the other category or anything like that, but like that game could have been played on Mars and Western Illinois would have been playing with the same joy and passion. So, right. you know, it, it was, it was really pretty cool to see. Well, and that was my takeaway. It's just so fun. Yeah, like, I just fun so, if you're not right. Yeah, I mean, if you can't get a release after quarantining for four months and you actually get to play, <laughs> I'm surprised that not every team is like that. How do you not explode on the court when you've been caged up for so long? I mean, if you're not having fun, go home. You know, right? Did either of you get a chance to see the celebration afterwards on Twitter or anywhere like that? I uh, in the locker room. Yeah. Oh no, I didn't see that. No. Yeah, it was just it, it. You could tell it was a season's worth. I mean, who knows? Maybe they only. Yeah. That's the only Summit League game they win. Maybe they mm-hmm. win four more. Who knows mm-hmm. what happens after mm-hmm. that? But it was just mm-hmm. that culmination of, hey, we we got one, and you know, to see Co- Coach Jeter with his son who's on the team, that's always a special mm-hmm. moment too. Mm-hmm. Like, just that family atmosphere that you hope all teams have. That was the feeling I got. Mm-hmm. The uh, and then I did want to note Philip Rabracha really did look like the Philip Rabracha that we were expecting all season and has shown up many times. Average twenty five and a half and ten rebounds over the over the two game series, and Will Carius just as good at, over that two game stretch. You know, Will Carius, man, he's kind of the Clay Thompson of the league. I mean, that guy is as efficient as it gets shoots incredibly high percentage. And the first night he scored 34 points, it was on 12 shots. And he had the ball in his hand for probably a total of 30 seconds. You know, he either catches it and shoots it, catches it in one dribble, pulls up, something very fast. He knows what he's going to do before he even gets a catch. So impressive. And I think the thing that was maybe even more impressive than the 34 points in the first, well, I guess maybe equally as impressive, but... He played really good post defense on Phil Perbracha. Phil Perbracha had his way with Tamal Pearson, and that's that's what won UND the game in the first game. Right. And then the second game, they they ended up having to put Karius on Rabracha, and he's he's a strong guy. He moves well, and he gave Phil Perbracha a much bigger problem than Tamal Pearson did. Much bigger. Well, and I wanted to mention another thing I saw because just because we were talking about Karius, so he scored. Sco- Gets fouled on a three-point shot. So you'd think it would be everybody excited that he just got fouled. He's going to get three free throws. An assistant coach was yelling at him, basically telling him to man up without being able to see what they were saying uh, mm-hmm. to on guarding Rabracha on the other end. Like those little things yeah. that you see. Like we're, we're not done now just because you're going to go shoot three free throws. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun little moments in that series. And then I think, Greg, you were going to say something. No, I, I think it's... It's it's just good to see teams grow. It's good to see teams reap the the benefits of a lot of hard work and a lot of uncertainty. And um, 
and you, you hate being on the wrong side of that one. I mean, you hate if you're Paul Sager and his staff and his group, you hate, you know, not finding a way to sweep at home. But, um, you know, Western Illinois um, probably will find a way to, to try to build off that success. And, and my guess is this week of practice is going to be a little bit different than any they've had up to this point, just because they, it, they know what it takes to find a way to get a W and, and find a way to, Find a way to put themselves in that position. So looking forward to seeing how everybody matches up next weekend. Then Zach, I wanted to ask one more thing because you brought it up on the broadcast itself. And, and I'll ask it a little bit different way. Does Western Illinois win game one if they just get the ball to Will Carius when he's switched, uh, when Panoam is switched it, on him? Yeah, and that was my number one question to, to the UND coaching staff at Shooter on. I'm like, hey, are we concerned about this or not? And to be honest with you, they, they weren't really all that concerned because they – They've been kind of doing that all year, and they never really threw it to them. But, yeah, no, it, like down the stretch, it was pretty much Sanders just kind of putting his head down and barreling into the lane. But they would do that little dummy screen where, you know, Carius would set a, a ball screen. You know, they weren't really trying to do much off of it, but UND would switch everything. So a lot of times it was, you know, Bentu switching on to Carius. And I'm watching this, yeah, the, in the last five, six possessions, I'm like, oh, man, one of these times Carius is just going to roll either right to the front of the rim or right into the post, and they're going to dump the ball in there, and he's just going to turn and score it every single time. And once they figure that out, they're going to beat UND. And, uh, but they didn't. They, they didn't find him. They didn't find the right, right. matchup. And, uh, you know, not all that surprising being they're a, a team that's growing and a team that's gelling. And, you know, Sandage, it, I guess it makes, a lot of, it makes a lot more sense now that I know that the fact that Sandage was a shooting guard and not playing before this weekend. So, you know, it doesn't right. surprise me all that much that he wasn't able to find him. But, uh yeah, no, it's. I, I thought they missed a couple opportunities down the stretch, but. So we'll move on to North Dakota State at Kansas City. It was a split. North Dakota State won a close one in game one, and Kansas City won a close one in game two that I swear had a shot clock, even though it was 49 47. As a fan, I see that McKissick, Alec, Nesbitt are all out, and I'm thinking North Dakota State's just going to roll. Both games, both after game one was close, I thought, okay, Kansas City kept a close game one, but they're going to roll game two. So was this a case of Kansas City just having an amazing weekend, North Dakota State taking them lightly, a testament to Kansas City's defense, something different, or all of the above? What do you think, Greg? Well, I think it's just college basketball. I, sure. I, don't, I don't for a moment think that North Dakota State took them lightly. And sure. at the same time, I'll go back to what you said. You know, when, when you look at the names, you know, with the McKissick, Alec, Nesbitt all out, you're thinking, good Lord. I mean, but North Dakota State will always play a tempo that keeps teams in it. You know, they, they, they're hard to come back on, but it, it's also hard for them to create separation, especially in a, against a team like Kansas City who will get up and get after you. And you just can't read too much into it. I mean, North Dakota State, that was a hard-fought win the first night. I mean, Kansas City really never let them get, get away from them, and they, they stayed in it throughout, you know, right down to the end. And then the next night, you take a Jarius Cook out, and you're already down a Harden Hayes, and you're already down a, you know, Bowden Skunberg, and all of a sudden you look at the box score, and, and uh, they throw the freshman from Kansas City in the starting lineup for Cook, and you got a bunch of guys playing Basically, I think they had five guys at 27 minutes or more, or six guys at 27 minutes or more. Maybe one of the starters didn't play 27, but no tech off the bench played 27, and the five starters 
I think uh, Cruiser might have played 39 or something like 80. I think played 39. That's a lot of minutes, especially on the second end of a uh, back end of a, you know, two game series. And I'm not making excuses. Dave Richmond's not going to make any excuses. I, you know, I, I look at the scores when you know, when they played USD, we're thinking, well, maybe USD isn't that good. I mean, that was a four point and a six point game. They lost to USD at home, and yeah. maybe. Kansas City is a type of team that if they get everybody healthy, the way they defend, they'll always give themselves a chance because they defend well, they play their tails off. Um, it's not going to be an enjoyable road trip when people go into their place to play, and and they're going to, you know, they've got four in a, four in a row at home after getting one at North Dakota, you know, from North Dakota State. They got Omaha twice and Denver twice. They may win five in a row in the league, and all of a sudden see where they're sitting. So. Uh, no, I, I don't think NDSU fans should be disappointed. For gosh sakes, you can't, you know, to, to go undefeated or, or, or win tons of, ton of games on the road, it's really hard to win on the road. I don't care whether there are fans there or not. So uh, Kansas City deserves the credit for, for earning the split. No, it was, it was kind of interesting. I had, uh, you know, one of our friends in the desert texting me before that game, and they're like, hey, a, a three-and-a-half point, point spread? in this NDSU Kansas city game, we know the, we, you know, they, at that point they already announced McKissick was out and all this stuff. And, and they're like, what are we, what am I missing? Why is this only three and a half points? And I'm like, well, you know, three and a half points against Kansas city is like, you know, six or seven against uh, pretty much a team that plays at sort of a normal pace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and I was still fairly comfortable with NDSU, obviously what they went by four, I think. So I think they did. I'm covering, but in that first game anyway, but that just goes to show you, I mean, I, I just couldn't be more impressed by the way they play, you know, and, and just the common theme in all these games is just by how hard they play. And that's the secret sauce. It doesn't matter what type of offense and defense you run. I mean, Kansas City is a great case study for that, right? They have a guy literally off the streets in their lineup playing big minutes and they're getting it done because they're playing so hard. I wish it was more complicated than that because I would have more to talk about during the game. <laughs> but there's not really. It's right. just coming down to all how hard they're playing. It makes their defense better. It makes their offense better. They're getting offensive rebounds. They're just kind of willing their way. It may not be pretty, but it's okay. I mean, it's beautiful because it ends up in the winning when the, when the win column. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I, I didn't get a chance to watch that game, but that was just sort of what I took from reading the tea leaves and just sort of the, the game review of it. But interesting. Well, and one of the things I kept seeing is they are just – if you put the ball on the floor against them – you better be strong with it because the chances of them getting a hand on a ball are pretty high. And, and that's, that's what, that's how they get their offense going more than anything else. Uh, The young man out of Brooklyn park had five points, a three pointer, and then a steal and a dunk. And I don't know if he already scored after that, Jacob Johnson out of Brooklyn park. Like that's just how they play offense basically. You know, it's interesting. I would, I would think teams would fare much better against Kansas city. The second night they play them, because they play so differently, they play at a different tempo, and they play with just a, a whole different level of physicality. I would think after they would, you know, I could see them catching teams by surprise in the first game. And then the second game, the team's kind of adjusting, playing tougher, being stronger with the ball, especially a team like NDSU, and just shooting a million free throws, you know. But it's it's the exact opposite is happening. And it right. maybe it's more like they're wearing out teams. And you, you, you kind of said what I was thinking, Greg, that like, man, you know, can you get this done with six guys? You know, can you play back-to-back games with six guys? I don't know. I mean, they're 
fantastic athletes. They're in the, the best shape of their lives. Does that play into it? Does it not? I don't know. I don't know. But, you know, they're a very successful team in the second half or in the second night of a back-to-back, and maybe it does. I don't know. Right. And, I, you know, Dave Richmond isn't going to use any – use it as an excuse, but they, they've got to find a way to get their guys healthy. And, and as I think some, some those guys are impact guys, Harden Hayes, especially. And um, you just need to, I, I think it's nice to have seven, seven and a half guys that you can use on a consistent basis. And uh, if you're any team and in North Dakota state, people can say, well, they don't fly up and down the floor. I think it's uh, running up and down the floor is the most natural, you know, action there is. It's being able to sit down and defend side to side laterally and, move, you know, change speed, change direction on the offensive end, it, it still takes a lot out of you. So um, no excuses. Kansas City earned it and uh, sent a message to the rest of the league that, you know what, we're looking forward to playing anybody, anywhere, anytime. And, and uh, we, as much as we've talked about the end of this season, those four teams on top all facing each other, you know, is it going to be a Western Illinois that goes on a run, a North Dakota that goes on a run, or a Kansas City that goes on a run, as they kind of all play each other themselves. So it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Well, and Zach, just to to your point about the second game, in their three Summit League wins have all been in the second game of the two-game series. And I did want to say, North Dakota State fans were a little down on their team. And, of course, after a loss, people are always down a little bit. They have every opportunity uh, over the next four. If they go 3-1 and or 4-0 and in their next four games they could be right back at the top of the top of the standing so it that the opportunity is right in front of them with the with the right teams to play at the right time all right let's move on to the omaha south dakota series and greg i wanted to start out with a question that has been puzzling us all year south dakota has been as low as seventh in our power rankings at different times after starting in about in the middle and has understandably moved up as as they continue to win, is there any any reason they shouldn't be second in our power rankings this week? Yeah, the reason they might, maybe shouldn't be second is they should be first. <laughs> I, don't, yeah. just, I mean, when I look at the the numbers and the stats, you know, the top teams have all played for the you know a majority of the bottom teams, and when I look at kind of the team stats, it's impressive, and and uh, you know both offensive efficiency. And their defensive field goal percentage, that's a pretty complete team. It's, it's great to see Comateros. You know, he's averaging double figures in league games. Uh, to kind of join Plitzwhite and, and Amude, uh, that, that one-two punch that they bring. And so, I, hey, USD is, is earning a ton of respect right now, and it's not a fluke. I mean, they're defending well. Um, I, I, that's the one thing that shocked me. I did not see this team being a great defensive team, and right now they are. And that's right. what's going to give them a chance to, to maintain this. So, hey, they're they, they've certainly earned a ton of respect, and, and it's uh, they're doing it by putting results on the co- on the court. So I'll just I'll play the other side of the conversation for conversation's sake. It's not necessarily what I believe, but just to kind of talk the situation through because I, I think I do kind of my thoughts are kind of with you, Greg. But you know, so the other side of the conversation would be you know, hey, it 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 wasn't necessarily out of line to. Uh, point out that there were some questions with this team coming into this year. I think that's fair. They had a lot of roster turnover from last year, and you don't quite know what you have with some of these Juco guys. You know, I mean, sometimes they hit, sometimes they don't. That's fair. I mean, that happens to every team. 
And then the other thing would be the fact that they basically just played the bottom of the conference so far. And so, and, but, but now they're done with that. Now they're done with that. Now the, the season really starts for them. Um, but to their credit, you know, they took care of business. It, it, they didn't put their schedule together. They didn't set it up this way. They just beat everybody that's been in their path so far. Right. And I think, you know, so, so now kind of flipping more towards the, the, the neutral side of this year is, is you know, you can, I, you can tell that they're getting better. I mean, you, you can just, you can tell, I mean, even though they're against probably maybe some lesser teams, I mean, I, I think that weekend at, at Kansas City told us a lot too. And, um, you know, they're just really impressive right now. They're, I just, I can't, I can't believe how well it's all just came together on the fly. I mean, we've talked about this in, in several podcast episodes here where, I mean, nobody may have been hit harder by the quarantine uh, issues than them. And so pretty much no preseason. Uh, very little non-conference and we saw them at the Dakota showcase and they were still trying to figure things out. They're still trying to figure out the rotations. You know, they solved the Rubik's cube. They got it to click. And the question is, is now can they do it against the best? Um, you know, I, I, I think about a team, you know, you know, South Dakota state's really the, the, the best example for this league. I mean, they're what, they're what everybody is gunning towards. And so if you try to figure out a team, okay, so what can beat them? You know, if, if a Stanley Amude gets 30 points, you know, it, he essentially almost had it at half in the first game. And then AJ puts away having some points at half in the second game. You know, things like that. We can just have... Um, a puncher's chance anyway. And so, I don't know, I just... Just really impressed with them. I, I cannot play against some of these better teams. Well, and the difference between them, I mean, they've played eight league games, and, and South Dakota State keeps ducking everybody. So uh, they're only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah. No, but it's, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, USD, I think there was, they have probably as many question marks as anybody. But that's the funny thing is USD, South Dakota State, only four games, but. USD and NDSU have kind of played similar schedules. I'm just impressed with the numbers that USD's put up. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this these last four weekends play out. Looking forward to it. And so when I did the uh, mid-season awards, I, I gave the mid-season player of the year to uh, Kevin O'Banner. I would say now it's Stanley Amude. Either of you guys disagree or think it'd be somebody different? Boy, it's it's hard to it's hard because these you know a lot of these players that we would think would be in the running for the player of the year really haven't played against each other yet. I mean, right. how fun is it going to be to watch Stanley Mude play against Kevin O'Banner, play yep. against Rocky Cruiser, play against some of these guys? I mean, that's the best thing is we're going to be able to settle this on the court, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, certainly. It, 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 it's hard to argue against Amude at this point. I think there's a lot of guys, and, and you know, the Plitzel White may have as much of an argument as anybody, you know, to unseat Amude. And, and uh, but we go back to the, the guys that, that Zach talked about and didn't even mention, you know, Douglas Wilson and Noah Friedel. You know, hopefully South Dakota State is able to to play all their games down the stretch. Hopefully, all these teams are able to keep themselves healthy. And we can look forward to some 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 fireworks here down the stretch. And and I, I think I'll echo what Zach said. I think the Player of the Year has yet to be determined because yeah. uh, let, let's let's see what the how the top of this league all sifts out. 
So I wanted to flip to the Omaha side uh, quickly, just to to talk a little bit about them. Uh, here's what, and, and you guys can correct me if I'm I'm off. I just am so used. So South Dakota last year, really, I thought underachieved from what I I guess I thought they would do. And who am I to say what a team should do? So then that kind of led me to struggling to put them where they belong this year, so to speak, and. Omaha's almost the opposite. Like I'm so used to Darren Hanson teams playing hard, being solid teams. It's just hard for me to see a Darren Darren Hanson coach team that's playing this poorly, and and it it is really pretty rough for them right now. Am am I missing something, or are you guys feeling the same way? Seems you know I, I haven't had a chance to watch every game that they played yet. Um, it seems more like a personnel issue this year uh, with the pieces just not maybe complementing each other like they have in the past and and this can happen you know this is sure. this is kind of the downside of having a couple you know two three studs that you're really riding for two or three years you know when they graduate you're not 100% sure what you have left over you have guys that have been practicing against them but not a lot of experience and you don't really know what you have. And so they, they could just be kind of hitting that, that gap year that happens from time to time after a really good class graduates. I, I think, I think Zach gets on it. You know, you lose two impact guards that they had, you know, with Robinson and Gibson. I mean, they're, they were, they, they were huge and, and they made those bigs that much better. And I think we addressed this issue. I mean, you have inexperienced guard play in it it impacts the level of all five guys on the floor because um, uh, they're the decision makers they are the guys that set everybody else up. And so, and then on top of that, they're not defending uh, at, at, a, at a very good level at all. So right. they, they have a chance, they have as good a chance as anybody to go on a run, but they're going to have to get a much higher level of play from their perimeters if they want to be in the conversation. Cause right now they're looking at, you know, them, Denver, um, they, somebody's not going to be in a conference tournament. And, and those two are the, the, the front runners for that honor right now. And so someone's going to have to get it figured out here uh, on this, uh, on this, you know, as we talked about the top teams playing each other, maybe, maybe Omaha, maybe Darren Hanson does figure it out with his guys and, and they win three, four, five uh, over the last four weekends. We'll see how it all shakes out. And to me, really kind of the puzzling thing is sort of where they're at defensively. Um, you know, again, I, I wish I could watch a little bit more of some of these games. I've only just kind of seen bits and pieces. But what, what I've seen is, you know, players having huge games against Omaha. Yeah. You know, whether it's Max A. Smith or Kevin O'Banner or Stanley Muda or A.J. Plato, it seems like they're all having current games against them for some reason. Maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe they can get it fixed. But uh, that's just – it's just so out of character, it seems like. Well, and one thing I'll say about them, too, and it maybe not even just them, but – just in general, you think of Marlon Ruffin, Matt Pyle, even Wanyang Tut, three guys that probably almost every Summit League team would want in their starting rotation. But And we get focused on, too often, th- those higher-level players. It really does matter who you have four through eight on your team. And that seems to be – and Lamel Robinson, the, the freshman, is starting to show some things. But it really does matter, the depth and – the other guys you have on your team as well, because Ruffin and, and Pyle will do do their thing. It's just it's their struggles kind of all over, and pe- 
teams can get mismatches put together if you don't have strong defenders in other spots. Absolutely Uh, agree. Well, I want to finish up this week's episode just by mentioning we we have the we've kind of been teasing it a little bit that the next 4 weeks really are when the top of the conference start to play each other. So next week we have Oral Roberts at North Dakota State and South Dakota is at South Dakota State. So I didn't put this in the notes, so I'm going to put you guys on the spot a little bit and you don't have to you can answer with just uh uh coach speak if you want to and not really give an answer but what do you guys think happens this weekend and we'll start with the oral roberts north dakota state series good good question conventional wisdom well it says it's going to be a split i don't know well i don't know i um i i can't wait to watch i can't wait to watch the games i'm just going to leave it at that fantastic yeah i i think a lot kind of depends on if cook's healthy I mean, Cook seems to me the, the the most natural person to maybe chase around Max Asmus, but I don't know how that goes on a on a bum ankle. Um, if it if it goes to somebody like I don't know Tyree Eady or Sam Greasel chasing around Max Asmus, I I don't know what they're best suited to do that. So, something along those lines. Is, is it McKinney again? I don't I don't know. Um, so I, I think a lot comes down to NDSU's health here. Uh, like Greg said, they have to get healthy and, and, and healthy in a hurry here. Um, but, uh, if they do, I think NDSU will be able to handle them, but it could be a big one on Max A. Smith. If they don't have the right person on them, it could be a big one. Yeah. And for me, I don't have a great answer either. And I posed the question or Roberts to me is a little bit that ex-girlfriend that you like, and then they don't play defense. Which so I don't know why that's an ex-girlfriend, but um, but then they don't play defense. I'm like, forget it. Oral Roberts is horrible again, and and so I'm still in the Oral Roberts is horrible again mode right now. So I think North Dakota State sweeps. But if Oral Roberts comes out and plays well, I'm going to say they're the second best team in the conference. So um, I'm there. They can win me back really easily. I want to go to the, the last matchup: South Dakota at South Dakota State. And this one, I really is intriguing to me because the way South Dakota is playing and, and, and South Dakota state just hasn't been able to play. So kind of two different, you know, a lot more about one team than the other. What do you guys think happens there? I'm curious. Uh, you know, the last time they played <laughs> it and USD and SDSU, it's um, these two teams are going to get after each other. I'm curious. I, I, would I would love to be able to have a front row seat at, at uh, that that weekend series in Brookings? No kidding. Yeah, it's it's going to be two teams getting after they, and it seems as though they both come in about as close to full strength as you can get. Kind of settled on their lineups. You'd mentioned, you know, kind of how Xavier Fuller is is really stepping into that that fourth, you know, scorer as Camateros is is. Uh, um, you know, developing his offensive game and Arshambo has settled into a role of kind of that, that sniper coming in off the bench. Um, they, I, I, I'm excited to see how it plays out. These two teams are ready to go. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed that the games get played. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. And it goes kind of back to what you were saying earlier, Todd. Yeah, Wilson, pretty pretty tough there. Uh, 
straight away if that exactly is, you know, probably the, the third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth player for NDSU, for SDSU that you start to see the separation. And it is all in the way they share and the way they're able to find the right match and, you know, pass up a good shot, shot. They just do such a great job of that that I, my guess is that's probably the difference. Um, but, you know, fool me for doubting USD, right? I mean, been wrong about that pretty much all year. So uh, maybe I'll continue this weekend. I don't know. Yeah, you're not the only one. I'm plus 10 on picking the Summit League versus the spread this season, and I bet I'm 1-8 and eight with USD. So, um, I, I and what I'm really curious about is to watch them defend Wilson. And I know they played already, but it still feels like the way – to, to get after them a little bit, to get after the, the Yotes a little bit is, is with a premier scorer down low. Uh, and I just don't think they've been tested a lot there yet. That's where I'm curious, but I think I'll go with a split on that one just because I think South Dakota's for real, like whether they're the best team in the conference or second best or third or fourth, I just think they're absolutely one of those four. And I think those four, there's not much separation. So um, but I think, so I think it's a split there. I'm just like Greg said, I'm really excited to watch some really elite summit league basketball. And I'm, you guys happen to know, are both those game, both those series on Midco? I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm almost positive USD, SDSU, at least one of them is. And I don't know. I don't know if one of the OR, Oral Roberts NDSU games is, or I, I think at most one would be if it all falls into place. Otherwise I think it was scheduled not to have either one of them on. So um, yeah, I know, I know. We'll see how it all shakes. Well, I I won't get into my uh, summit league uh, television rant um, because that could be the thing that could get me going. But uh, um, boy, I hope as much as of that as we can catch without having to pay $6 for a one day pass or what have you, the, the better. Um, well, well we gotta, that, we gotta well, have go to pay Greg's big salary. So, well, that, you better download that. We gotta pay Greg's big salary. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird. It's weird because they actually call it the Greg clause on when you yeah. sign up for it. So, I, I, I thought that was weird, but now it makes more sense. I, I didn't even know people got paid for doing what I did. <laughs> yeah. You guys are getting paid. I'm not getting paid. What the heck? <laughs> you, you get a hot dog and a soda. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. we have an awesome weekend coming up. Not, and I don't even think just with those top four, top four playing each other, it, things will start to shake up. One thing we saw as we started to see teams that are a little more similar, like Western and North Dakota, where they fall in the rankings, you know, can be debated, but they're more similar, just some really good games. And so I think we're going to have a whole weekend of good games to talk about next Sunday. So I will leave it at that. And you guys have a good night. Same to you guys. Thanks, Great son. time. All right. Take care.